Hi everyone, my name is Ryan Alexander and I serve as the lead pastor at Hosanna. As we've been saying for years, we believe the Lord led you here. And we hope that what you hear today will encourage you to take a step forward in your faith journey and help you look more like Jesus. After today's message, I encourage you to download the Hosanna app for more opportunities to connect and grow. Here's today's message. Merry Christmas, everybody. Thank you. <laughs> you're, you're very kind or you're just glad I made it up the stairs. I'm not sure which. <laughs> My name is Bill Boleyn, and I, uh, the goosebumps are on my arms right now. I'm just, I'm honored, I'm delighted to be with you on this Sunday morning. Bless your hearts for being here on this fourth Sunday in Advent, this special season in the church year as we anticipate the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. What I want to tell you right away, because it's on my heart, is I, I just came from the prayer room, and we prayed for every single one of you, you and you and you, and in all of our campuses, and you watching uh, at home in your jammies online, we prayed for you. And what we prayed is that the Holy Spirit would come and stir your hearts and that you would receive all that God has for you this morning. And we prayed specifically that it might feel for you like you have come home. Let that thought lean on your mind, that you've come home. I, I would tell you, I have felt that any number of times, as much as ever here at Hosanna, as I have come to worship, as we came back for our, it's probably a post-COVID thing somewhat, to come back for worship and be together, to come for our concerts a week ago. That was magnificent to be with you in God's house this morning. And that is the Lord's desire, that you would know his love and that you would feel his welcome, that you have come home. Bless your hearts for being here. Uh, my men's group is studying the book of Hebrews. We're going to be in chapter 10 this week, and this is one of the verses that we're going to consider. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. So there it is in God's word that it's important, this encouragement that we come together in God's house and not fall out of that habit because God wants us here and he wants to touch you and speak into your life. Um, one of the things I would tell you that also gave me goosebumps was sitting here two weeks ago and Pastor Ryan announced uh, the Thanksgiving offering. Do you know this? And I think folks were used to hearing numbers like a quarter of a million dollars, maybe $300,000. And this is a pass-through offering that you gave, didn't stay here at Hosanna, it went on to other organizations and touched thousands of lives. And the offering amount he announced was $660,000. I had lunch with him last week and he said it landed at well over $700,000 that you gave. Would you say hallelujah? You, so... You, you talk about love and good deeds. That's a whole lot of love, folks. And I just I want to thank you for your partnership and invite you in so that you don't miss out on that blessing of touching lives and, and giving to others. Now, I want to ask you, it just makes me smile. I, I might write a book about this someday. Are you getting your Christmas letters, the cards and the letters that come? These letters just... They make me laugh. I, I love some of them. There are some people who are determined to march you through the whole year last year. Well, in January, the dog almost died, and in February, we cleaned out the garage, and in March, we paid our taxes, and in April, I had surgery. And it's capitalized because it was major surgery. Surgery! And there's always, the, you know, there's always the travel section. Well, we went to Disney World, and you didn't. The, the you didn't, is, it's just in there, isn't it? 
<laughs> don't, don't you feel it? We went to Disney World, not so much you. We went on a cruise and you wound up buying a, a flotation device at Fleet Farm. Listen, <laughs> all right, <laughs> we have a response, do we not? Listen, in your letter you can put this. My family, this Hosanna family, my family last year went on a marvelous year-long journey through Scripture, yes? And we didn't go to the theme parks, but we touched on every mega theme in the Bible, and it was a marvelous year together. That's what this congregation has been doing. We went through all of Scripture this year, and I'm proud of you. And, and my, it has been wonderful teaching and amazing preaching. And that's going to end this morning. No, I do want to say, I, I thought, and I would say it this way, even Pastor Pear did a nice job last week. Wouldn't you say so? <laughs> For a Norwegian, I, you know, he was picking on us Swedes. Anyway, folks, we're, so we've been on this journey, and it's been good, and it brings us to the last book of the Bible, and it brings us to the very last chapter in the Bible, Revelation 22. Uh, I think... I've always thought this, that all of the Bible is a book of revelation. All of it reveals God's heart and mind to us, yes? But this last book of the Bible is Revelation, and it's, it's a vision that John had. And uh, we're in, in Revelation 22, if you want to turn in your Bible. And this is, this is kind of an aside. My wife's name is Nancy, still. And, <laughs> and, every, and this is true, all of our married life. I was watch her for on vacation or on the pontoon boat, start to read a novel. We're reading together, and I look over, and she has grabbed a big chunk of the book. <laughs> and she's reading the end. She goes right straight to the end. And I said, honey, you can't read the end of the story first. Well, i got to see who lives. Well, we're at the end of the story, and you're going to find out who lives. And I'll just tell you right away, folks, look at me. Everybody lives. It's just a matter of what your address is going to be, okay? Here we are, Revelation 22. I just want, I'm going to read the first five verses. It's, it's a paragraph, but it will set the tone for us. Here we go. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing the twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Hear this. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Here ends the reading. Amen. Okay. The portion that I have read you in some of your Bibles, uh, above it, it would say paradise recaptured or restored or Eden. When was paradise lost? Well, <laughs> that's where we started. In Genesis 1, chapters 1 through 3, if you will, we saw that Adam and Eve... Uh, were created, they were placed in the Garden of Eden, it was paradise, God walked in the cool of the night with them, and it was magnificent, and their disobedience, disobedience caused them to be thrown out of the garden. That was paradise lost. 
And what I have just read for you is paradise restored, Eden restored. And we could, we could spend a lot of time, have a whole Bible study on some of the things that I just read. But in these few verses, we are seeing some of the very things mentioned that were mentioned in the Garden of Eden. First of all, the river of the water of life. And it's crystal clear. You can, you can almost hear it or, or see it bubbling. It's magnificent. The, the tree of life, same as the tree of life that stood in the Garden of Eden. The presence of God is mentioned. God did walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening in the garden. Here, in Paradise Recaptured, we, we get to see his face and experience his presence. And because of that, there's no need for any flashlights or cell phones. There's no electricity because why? Because the Lord God is the source of all of light in heaven. There is one major difference. The curse that was in the garden is gone it's been removed. There is no death in paradise recaptured, okay? Folks, these are the bookends of Scripture. Paradise lost, paradise recaptured. <clears throat> and what we understand, <clears throat> excuse me, is that God intended this for all humanity. What? Beauty and intimacy and life and light. And whereas it was once lost, it will be restored again for all eternity. We have this hope. And we have this assurance. And then if we were to read more of Revelation 22, we would see that the Bible ends with an announcement and uh, with some declarations. The announcement is, behold, I am coming soon. This is Jesus talking, and he says it three times. And you might, you know, oftentimes we land on the wrong part of that. Well, soon. I mean, he's not coming soon. Listen, Wally. You know this, God doesn't have a calendar up on his refrigerator. He has a picture of you. It's right under mine on his fridge. But he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't have a calendar, and he's not wearing a Fitbit, and he's not marching time the same as you and I are, okay? And the Bible says a thousand years is but a day or even a blink of an eye for, for God. So for God, it's only been two days since the Lord was resurrected. Now, we could you know, debate all of that. Land on the first part. I am coming soon. I am coming. The Lord is going to return, and that's his promise. And we rest on that hope. And then the declarations. I am the Alpha and the Omega. And we've talked about this a number of times. First and last letter of, of the Greek alphabet. And what Jesus is saying is there is nothing that has been before me. I was there in the beginning. I'm the Alpha. There's nothing that's above me. It will all be a footstool for me, and there's nothing that comes after me. I live through all eternity. The Alpha and the Omega. And then God also says, or Jesus says, I am the bright morning star. It's just a beautiful picture. And as the morning star gives light, new light to every new day, Jesus Christ, the bright morning star, gives new life to us, to us every single day. There is magnificence, there is beauty, there's glory, there's promise and blessing in this final chapter. The Lord has come to our earthly home, and he will come once again, to welcome us to our eternal home. And I must say, even after yesterday, that will be the greatest comeback of all time, folks, <laughs> when he comes back. Got it? And believe me, um, you, you won't miss it when he comes again. You may be out of town, you may be sleeping in that morning, but you won't miss it, and the Bible says that, all right? Now, let's make some more uh, connections between 
this Advent season, you know, the, the lights we are, are on, our hearts are ready to go to the manger and sing the carols, and we will. Let's make a connection between that and Revelation 22. First thing I would say is, yeah, and you might have to be my age, probably, or close to remember this, there's an old saying that has fallen into disuse for sure. I give you my word. I give you my word. People used to say that to each other. I give you my word. Or another way of saying it is, my word is my bond. And what a person was, would, was saying is, if I said I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, and you can count on it. And it was a matter of honesty and character and integrity and reputation, and a person did it. We stood by our word. I give you my word. Now, <laughs> now we have lawyers and we have contracts, okay? Since I've been retired, uh, Nancy and I have been blessed to, to you know, spend some time in California and Palm Springs in the wintertime. It used to be that Phyllis was the woman who set things up for us. And she would make arrangements for where we were going to rent, and we'd get about a, a paragraph, a one-page deal that said, Bill and Nancy will move in on such and such a date. They're going to pay this much a month. There's going to be a cleaning fee. The owner's going to give them a key. They're in by 4 in the afternoon, out by 10, la dee We'd sign it, and that was it, one-page deal. We're going back this winter, and just this week, I received my 14-page contract with 51 stipulations. I'm going to read it to you. No, but I, but you know what? This is the truth. I, I should have put it up on the screen. Page nine is the bed bug disclosure. This is California. There aren't any bed bugs, but we, they've been spotted in California, but not in your unit. And, and, and I have to initial that. Okay, bed bugs. I, I can't believe it. California is going to slide into the Pacific Ocean someday. <laughs> can't happen soon enough. Here's what. Oh. Here's what our Bible says in Hebrew 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Would you say amen? And then we, just, we read these words already from the prologue to the Gospel of John. In the beginning was what? The Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the, own, the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. What's the phrase I lifted up? I give you my word. Do you, do you see it? Do you feel it? God has given us his word. He doesn't want to be a, just a God in history shrouded in mystery and we can't understand him. He has spoken to us. And he wants us to know his heart and his plans and his desires. And he's given us his word. The word in copy, if you will, and the word incarnate. The Bible and the babe in the manger. God has spoken to us. Second thing I would say is the Bible tells us who we are. Listen, uh, Laura, you can read self-help books until you're blue in the face. And I, I have read them, and some of them are good. But have you ever seen a dog chasing its tail? It's kind of cute for a while, but that's what you're doing if you're only reading self-help books because it doesn't tell you the whole story. The Bible tells us who we are. It really does. You are the pinnacle of God's creation. You're made in his image. You're the apple of his eye. His greatest desire is that you would know him and you would know his love for you. And his number one promise is, I'll be with you. I want to be with you. The Bible, it, it does say 
I must be honest with you that life is short. I've done this before for you. Your life is about that long. You mean eight and a half by 11? No, I mean that long. Really, you're just a mist. The Bible tells us that. Well, that's not good news. Here is the good news. If you live this earthly life in the context of this story, see? God's story, a great story. If you see your life that way and you live it that way and you understand it that way, then your life will have meaning and purpose and a richness to it. That's what the Bible says. The Bible also tells us this. <laughs> it, and this, is, this you won't find in the self-help books, but the Bible tells us about our nature. Yes? Our human nature. Yes? One step further, it tells us about our rebellious nature. It's called sin. Again, that's not in the self-help books. It's in this book, okay? The Bible talks about how we, we just, you know, we don't like it when anybody tells us what to do. Is that true? Adam and Eve, paradise, it's all yours. Have at it. Don't eat the fruit of this tree. Next thing you know, she's looking up recipes for apple crisp, and he's eating it too, okay? <laughs> they, could, they took a bite. The Israelites, 400 years in captivity, they're led out by Moses after all the plagues. The Red Sea parts are out on the, you know, by the Mount Sinai, which is on fire. Moses comes down with the Ten Commandments, and he says, one of them is, I am the Lord your God, you shall have no other gods. And 40 days later, they built the golden calf and danced around the dumb thing. And the Lord Jesus Christ taught his disciples, you shall love your enemies. He said, okay, we should love our enemies. And when the enemy came to arrest him, my word, Peter, Peter whipped out his sword and chopped off a guy's ear. Okay? Aren't you glad you're not like that? <laughs> Martha, you are exactly like that. And I am too. We don't like it when somebody tells us what to do. I was with my family. We had a little getaway in Florida a couple months ago over Thanksgiving, so we got a rental car. And when he told me what it cost, I said, I don't want to buy it. I just want to rent it. You know, I haven't heard that before. It was, it, it was a, um, I'm sure it was a new car because it's, it's got the kind of car that's got whistles on it and messages, not spoken, but stuff's lighting up on the dashboard all the time. And it got annoying for me. First of all, I'm driving for about 20 minutes and this, this thing chimes and flashes and it says, you are, exceeding, you are exceeding the speed limit. And I thought to myself, I know I am and I'm okay with it because there's a bunch of nutty drivers here in Florida, and if I slow down to the speed limit, I'll get rear-ended. People are flying by me, so I know that. And then, you know, I, I'm probably looking around. The scenery's good, and I, I go, you know, and, and hit the little knobs on the side of the road, flashing, flashing, flashing. Don't take your eyes off the road. Taking your eyes off the road for a few moments can cause a serious accident, even death. Of course, my eyes are off the road while I'm reading this love letter in, in the middle of the thing, you know? And, then the, and, the, and there's more, there's more. But here's the last one. Every time you turn the car off, lights and chimes and stuff. Look in the back seat. Make sure you're not leaving a baby in the back seat. <laughs> By now, I'm, I almost want to take the steering wheel and say, my wife and I are 74. We're not having any more babies. Go bother a Norwegian, you know. Look, what am I saying? Well, you're having a good time out there. We don't like it when, it when somebody tells us what to do. The Bible talks to us about who we are. You're a child of God. Hallelujah. 
And if you know yourself, you are a rebellious child of God. You really are. And the Bible tells you you can be a redeemed child of God. The babe in the manger came as our Savior, as our Redeemer, to rescue us from that rebellion and self-destruction. And he paid the price that we might be freed of that. He took our rebellion and gave us his righteousness. This was always God's plan. Always God's plan. Let me show you something. I got some of my family down here. They're going to love this. Look at this picture up on the screen. That's my family. Oh, my, I can't send you all a Christmas letter, but I can send you a picture of my family. I'll show you a picture of my family, okay? What you're looking at, actually, is a 1,014-piece puzzle, okay? That is my family. Pictures of us out at the lake last summer, but you can see the puzzle pieces. 1,014 pieces. Folks, uh, each piece is about the, the size of my thumbnail, and you dump it out on the table, and it looks like a box of cornflakes. No, well, let's make, you know, let's put a, the puzzle together. We had this with us in Florida, you know, when a couple rainy days, going by with a cup of coffee in the morning, we put it together. There's the finished product. But how did we do that? We had to have this. I know this is small. It's a big room. But this is the cover to the box, and it has the picture. We needed the picture to put the puzzle together, right? Now, is there a life lesson in this? I think there is. You need a picture uh, to put your life together. My dear friend, you have 100,000 aspects or pieces to your life. You really do. You have gifts and ideas and dreams and hopes and fears and talents and longings and, whole much, and so much more. You need a picture to put it together. And that's what the Bible gives you. That, the Bible gives you that picture of what your life can be. Herein lies the wisdom and the counsel and the boundaries and the direction and the power to put your life together so that it's complete and beautiful and purposeful. And without this, I would say to you, not being blunt, it's just the truth, without this, you are subject to what? Fox or CNN or politicians or celebrities or some goofball friend of yours whose life is just as broken as yours, or the goofball in the mirror, and it just doesn't work. And some of you have literally felt and said, my life is in pieces. This is the picture you need of what your life can be. You can trust Scripture. Jesus did. Jesus validated all of the ancient scriptures. Do you remember this story? This is the day of his resurrection. He's walking on the Emmaus Road that afternoon with two disciples who didn't recognize him. And, and they're saying, don't you know about the person who died? And, and, and Jesus starts to explain things to him. These just a couple of snippets from uh, Luke 24. How, he kind of chides them how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all of the scriptures concerning him. Everything must be filled, fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. He opened their minds so they could understand scripture. Jesus, walking with these disciples who were, who were confused, validated everything in the Old Testament, all of the law and the prophets and the Psalms. He said, it's true, it's real, and it all points to me. <clears throat> 
Remember what they said when they finally recognized him? Oh, did not our hearts burn? Does the spirit just lit him up? Did not our hearts burn when we realized it's all true and it's true about him? And you know they, they jetted back to Jerusalem because they had to tell their friends. What about the New Testament? Jesus validated the Old Testament. What about the New Testament? Here's a short story. God has smiled at me twice in my golf game. He's laughed at me a lot of times in my golf game, but two times in my life I've had a hole-in-one, okay? Now, what happens when you get a hole-in-one? Some of you know, and you see that little ball 181 yards away roll into the hole. What's the first thing you do? You turn to the people on the tee box, your foursome, and say, did you see that? Did you see that? You want witnesses that saw the miracle, okay? Yeah, we saw it, Billy. You hug and dance, and you take your picture with the ball, and they sign the scorecard and all of that stuff. Who wrote the New Testament? <laughs> the witnesses to the teaching and to the life and to the death and to the resurrection and all of the miracles of Jesus Christ. They were eyewitnesses, and they saw it. And oh my, <laughs> they were... They were slow to get it sometimes, and they argued with each other. Well, I'm going to sit on his right, you know, their right hand up in heaven, and ay, ay, ay. They wrote about that too. It's all in there because they were writing as eyewitnesses, and it actually happened. This is the Word of God, and Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah. And you can build your life on that. You really can. This thought. Um, came to me last Monday. <laughs> what if this were the last sermon that I ever preached in my life? Well, that's a morbid thought. No, it's not, Ronnie. I think I'm going to live longer. I don't have an announcement to make. I would love to preach some more, but it's conceivable that this might be the last sermon I ever preach. By the way, the reason I think I might be around longer is I passed my annual physical just last week. Just last week. And you who are young, only in your 60s, this hasn't happened to you yet, but the second you turn 70 and you go into that office, the nurse is going to take your blood pressure, and then she's going to say, now I'm going to give you three words, and I want you to remember them. Oh, man. <laughs> Little beads of sweat are going to get on your forehead. And, oh, three words, three words, three words. Write them down, banana, chair, and sunrise. That's what the words are, okay? And then she's going to give you a blank sheet of paper, and she's going to draw a clock, and it's 10 after 11. I got out my phone and showed her the time. No, no, no. <laughs> draw a clock. That's 10 after 11. Oh, man, okay. So I passed my physical. I think I'm going to be around. But what I'm saying is I let that thought lean on my mind for a few minutes, and why not? Life is short. What if this is my last sermon? I would want to say some things to you who are believers. I'd want to encourage you. I really would. And I'd want to say, I'd want to, say to some of my family members, some of my dearest friends who are on the edge of things or have rejected some things, please hear this. I want to say to you some things that maybe I don't say in your living room or on the pontoon boat, but I want you to hear them. And it's just some of the things I've said this morning. This is God's word. It's God Almighty, the creator, speaking to us. 
And I know it can be complex and confusing. I get that. But it has withstood the test of time. And you can build your life on it. I, uh, I am a concrete, sequential thinker. It's a blessing. It's a curse. Picture a guy building a, a, a cement block wall. Boom, boom. Puts it all in place, levels it. It's got to line up. That's how I think. My wife is abstract random. That's why I married her. Thoughts come flying in from everywhere. Oh, here comes another one. It's, it's marvelous. Me? This logical mind, I have to check things out, and I have checked this out most of my life, and it stands the test of time. And it is like a rock that you can build your life on. And it deals with matters of ultimate importance that have eternal consequences. Yes. Jesus is exactly who he said he was. Messiah, Savior, Son of God. You know, C.S. Lewis summarized it for us, didn't he, when he talks about Jesus? Jesus, C.S. Lewis said, is either a lunatic, a liar, or he's Lord. Let that thought lean on your mind. It's perfect. He was either a goofball saying wild things and making wild claims and they should have locked him up, or he was a liar, kind of a shyster drawing people in, or, or. <laughs> he was exactly who he said he was. Son of God, King of kings, and Lord of lords. And I believe that he's exactly that person. And in him is life. Fullness of life, life with an eternal dimension. If you have his name on your lips and his love in your heart, that eternal dimension means heaven for you. And if not, then it means hell. I believe God's word and God's son have unleashed a power in the world. It's called the Holy Spirit. A power to transform human hearts. And the rebellion in our hearts is replaced with a desire for righteousness, right and holy living before God and with one another. And it is, my friends, don't you agree with me, it is what the world needs now more than ever, more than ever. And finally, I believe that God has placed eternity in our hearts. It's a longing and a desire to come home. It's certainly what we feel at Christmas time. Don't you more than ever now and in the next week want to be with loved ones and you want to be at home? We think sometimes that we want the lights and the presents and the parties and the distractions. It's not all bad. But what we really want is him and we want home. And anything, hear me, my dear friend, anything less than that will not satisfy you. That's what the Bible is all about. And that's what the babe in the manger is all about. In a week, we may sing this song as we gather around the manger. I hope we do. It's my favorite. And this is the third verse. Be near me, Lord Jesus. I ask you to stay close by me forever and love me, I pray. Bless all the dear children in your tender care. 
and fit us for heaven to live with you there. Would you bow your heads and receive what the Spirit has for you right now? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us your word in the book. We can hold your word. And in the baby, we can receive him into our hearts. Holy Spirit, come and stir us right now. Stir us that we might receive all of the good and gracious gifts that the Father has for us at Christmas time. We love you, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Merry Christmas, everybody.